Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Laysock Spirits. I am here today with uh, Sandro Pugliese. Uh, right before he has his trip to Italy, and I'm also here with David Cartledge again. By the way, if you haven't already, check out David's new podcast, uh, Talking La Liga. Um, great. Great conversation with uh, Simon uh, Harrison about La Liga and all things Spanish football. Anyways, uh, let's let's get into it. It's it's the dog days of summer, of eight days of the transfer window left. Seasons uh, well in progress, but um, there's still a little over a week left. Um, I want to get into for me what has been the the biggest circus of the entire summer uh which is fc barcelona okay so you know lose neymar uh well okay <laughs> full story they try to pursue marco verratti uh they play around too much psg decide you know what we're going to uh y- you want to play like that we're going to buy neymar <laughs> and they did and now, uh, and so Barcelona are like, all right, you know what? It's fine. We're going to sue Neymar. We're going to buy all these great players. But it's August 23rd, and they haven't sold any Deadwood yet, besides Jeremy Mateo Sporting. And they haven't bought any star midfielders or attackers. Um, David, what can we expect from the next eight days of Barcelona's transfer window? Um, probably more chaos. And uh, it's it's something that has become extremely hard to predict. I think what Barcelona are going to do next or what they are in fact actually doing or who are they are targeting because things seem to keep changing. You know, today uh, Insignia has been mentioned, you know, he's a new yeah. name who's been plucked out, you know, and there doesn't seem much movement on Seri or Coutinho or Dembele. And you just don't really know what's going on. And you do begin to wonder if Barcelona are going to say, I think we're just going to leave it for for this summer and maybe see about next summer. Um, yeah, that. I mean, it 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 is just bizarre. I think that I would personally rather be comfortable with that as opposed to I don't know signing Danny Parejo and uh, Angel Di Maria for eighty million. Let's just say, but um, you know, it is just a bit bizarre how they have. Uh, gone with this um i i think that one of the look they've they've sold neymar already so they need a neymar replacement but i think that david you you watch barcelona pretty much every week right i mean would you agree that for the past mm, three seasons and to this day the biggest hole in barcelona's team is the midfield yeah Barcelona, you know, even for an alien who could come down to earth right now would probably know that Barca are about their midfield. Yet they have been playing for a number of years without a midfield, without an identity in midfield. Guys like Rakitic are good players, okay? Don't get me wrong, they're good players, you know, and they've experienced success and won trophies. But they're not an identity. They're not what you would associate with Barcelona. Um, I think players, for instance, just to name one player who's about now, I'd say somebody like Marco Berratti, 
is somebody who can they can they can build a team around and build a new mm. midfield post post Javi and post Iniesta uh, upon. So you you know you followed uh, Rakitic I assume the entirety of his uh, La Liga career. Um, what what would you say taking Rakitic out of the lineup and putting in a guy like I don't know Man, Manu Trigueros? What would that do to, for the Barca team? Um, no, because I don't. I don't think Trigueros is is good enough either. I think he'd just be a stopgap player. He'd be a squad yeah, player. Yeah. He's a and good he's squad player. And so, I think yeah. I think they've looked at enough average players. They need better. They need they need a high level of player. They need an, an elite midfielder, and they haven't bought one. They haven't got one. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that the 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 rarest position in football really these days is, is the controller, the midfield controller, because it takes so long to really develop. I think that um, Marco Verratti is one of the only ones, I would say, like less than a handful of true midfield controllers that are ready to step in any team. Um, yeah, I, I think Barca's midfield right now should be have Verratti in 100%, and then also Thiago as well. Thiago should have stayed as well. And, and, and to think what their midfield could have been right now Busquets, Verratti, Thiago, that, that's a lot, a lot better what they've got now. Yeah. A lot, lot better. And, you know, let's not forget that had, uh, you know, had this board not have bought Sesk for a ridiculous amount, Thiago would probably still be at the club. You know, I mean, uh, to, we, you could have had just the natural progression, Thiago into the lineup, buying for what, like 25 million? Bargain of the century, by the way. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, to look, this lineup in all areas, you know, we used to say, oh, you know, Barca, their lineup isn't that good, but at least they've got that killer attack. Well, Neymar is gone. Suarez is injured for a month and rapidly declining, by the way. Um, so now they're stuck with Messi, Alcacer, De La Feo, which... Um, I honestly think, um, you know, sans Messi, of course, that attacking three is more custom for Betis than Barcelona. Oh, absolutely. You know, De La Feo, you know, De La Feo and Alcacer, you know, it could have been, it could have been Valencia's attack right now, basically. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Sandro, um, tell us, what, what do you expect from Barcelona this coming season? Uh, I mean, it's they're definitely in a interesting spot, uh, especially with all the the transfer news. Uh, yeah. Especially even in Yesta, I, I saw I think it was yesterday is uh, pondering yeah. his future at the club. Um, honestly, uh, I think this season is going to be a bit of a disappointment. I don't really see them going past the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, I think it's going to be a, a rough year for them, mm-hmm. uh, especially without making real enforcements after losing Neymar, as, as of right now. Now, um, David, there was a confirmation from the official account uh, about a m- month ago, the official Twitter account of FC Barcelona, that Messi had signed a contract until, what, 2021, I believe. Um, however, some reporters, some you know, officials say that Messi still has not signed his contract. Uh, which do you believe? Um, 
I think that Messi's just waiting to see um, what direction the club moves in. You know, I think he needs an ambitious project, a project for the next couple of years. If he's committed yeah. the rest of his career to Barcelona, he needs to know that he's not going to be in some average team who start to fall away from Europe's elite and are well behind Real Madrid. He needs confirmation in that. So maybe he's waiting to see what the club does. Um, Neymar going is not a good start. And, you know, it, it, we're going to have to wait and see what Barcelona do because, you know, it is an, it's an interesting position that they are in right now. This is, for me, this is rapidly approaching um, the, the pre-Mourinho era at Real Madrid. Remember that? It had, uh, you know, Arbeloa, last year, just some of the Faubert, you know, just a few years of what the hell is going on at Real Madrid. That's, that's what's happening at Barcelona. I mean, these are truly, um, you know, signings you'd see from, say, like Arsenal's banter, you know, for $40 million. Now, eight days left. They haven't done anything with their attack or their midfield, for that matter. Um. Well, they've been contemplating Angel Di Maria. Um, and now they're looking at Danny Parejo. Uh, Sandro, do you see... Do you think Di Maria could, um, is, would be a good signing for Barcelona? Uh, I think he definitely could fill uh, a hole uh, on the wing at the moment. Uh, it might be hard to pull it off at this moment, especially the mini feud between uh, Barcelona and PSG. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, if they could pull it off, it would definitely help this team, uh, how it's assembled right now, because they definitely uh, definitely need some more uh, attacking potency at the moment. Yeah, I mean, call me a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, what if... I, I just think that... There's... <laughs> I don't know why they would hack into Barcelona's account and say, we, and to all of their accounts, their Facebook, their Catalan, their Spanish accounts, and say, we've signed Di Maria. I mean, you couldn't have tweeted, I don't know, a better thing. I mean, I think that, I honestly think there's a possibility that Barcelona faked the hack, said we tweeted it just to gauge the fans' reaction. Because we saw... I, I know that's a long shot, but we saw how, you know, according to reports, Barcelona had no idea who John Seri was. John Seri, the guy, one of the few uh, midfield controllers that could have improved this Barcelona midfield, that Xavi Hernandez literally came out and stated, you know what, I'll admit, this guy is the heir to me. This guy takes to, you know, take the reins of Barcelona's midfield. Um, David, how close, What what do you think, what do you think the next signing of Barcelona will be? Or do you think that they won't sign anyone at all in the next eight days? It's really difficult to say because Barcelona is such a mess and the signals coming out of the club are all very different. And the different journalists as well don't really agree on what's going on, who, who's coming, who's going, what stage certain deals are at. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to say. There's such a, like, a blockage right now what's coming out of Barcelona. It's hard to say, but I think they'll definitely get one of Dembele, Coutinho, or Seri. Um, and I think Seri will probably be the one that they get because he's going to cost the least. The least definitely. Yeah. Um, and the other two are, are going to be very, very difficult to do in such a short space of time with considering sure. the fees that they mentioned. 
Okay, so you're saying that they end up with um, all right, Paul, a midfield three of Paulinho, Busquets, Seri, and Messi, Suarez, De La Feo? That's potentially, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, pretty underwhelming. I mean... But at the same time, I know that Sari might be the most underwhelming sign, but, you know, the, the biggest gap in Barcelona right now is the midfield controller. Um, they need that, that player, that, you know, that Cruz, that Verratti. And even though he has his flaws, John Sari is that player. John Sari, you know, he can be that player. Um, Sandro, you... Uh, did you watch Napoli Nice uh, the past two games? Past two uh, games? I saw a bit of the first leg. Unfortunately, I did not get to see the match yesterday as I was uh, in the airport heading for a flight. But yeah. I have heard uh, that Napoli put in a wonderful performance uh, as expected at this point. <laughs> you think uh, Jean Seri has what it takes to revolutionize Barcelona midfield? Uh, out of the options that they have at the moment, I definitely think he's probably their best option. Uh, he's a great talent and could really do wonderful things in the midfield with uh, Busquets. Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just go back to what we know. Um, in it, it's August twenty third, and in January players with six months or less on their contract can start negotiating with other clubs for um, a free transfer. Both Barcelona's captain and their vice captain, both Andres Iniesta and Lionel Messi, have, um, let's see, they've got uh, four months left until they can start negotiating with other clubs. You know, this is, this is pretty immediate new deal um so we could see a barca with but but do you think that playing out for messi running down his contract and yes running down his contract for i don't know uh, a, a battle in say like, like november december where benedito goes head-to-head auguste benedito goes head-to-head with the board and forces bartomeo out you think that that's what it's shaping out for? Um, potentially, it, it's very difficult to say. It it really is because you don't. Again, like I said, right now, Barcelona is a funny place because you can't really say anything for certain. You you don't know how which way it's yeah. going to turn. But I mean, I guess everything is feasible at this point. Yeah, that's true. Everything is feasible. Um, so what are we saying? So David, you're saying Sari and nobody else. Yeah, I'm saying Surrey and nobody else. You know, I think a few weeks ago I was potentially quite confident that Barcelona would bring a big player in, like either one of Dembele or Coutinho, and then as well as Surrey. Um But now I think they'll just get Surrey in. Um, he's probably not what they really need. He's what they kind of need um, right now. And that might be good enough for Barcelona if they feel that an extra body in there, um, it, it will be of some use. Okay, Sandra, what are we saying? What are we saying for the next eight days? Oh, for Barca, uh, yeah. I think David's pretty spot on. I mean, they're in a bit of a rough situation now where in the last week of the market, teams are definitely not 
as willing to give up their top players. Yeah. Um, it's definitely not at discounted prices. Uh, <laughs> so I think David's pretty on point. Uh, hopefully, I mean, Barca better hope they can get at least Sarri. Otherwise, uh, they really might be in trouble this, this season. And, you know, I just read uh, something where uh, Nisei's 40 million clause expired with, with John Sarri so they can ask whatever they want. Um, but I also read something else where um, they have a gentleman's, agree- gentleman's agreement to sell for $40 million. I just think, what, you had $150 million in the budget before the Neymar stuff even started. You got $220 million now. You've spent, what, $70 million on Nelson and Paulinho. So that's, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how you, you can, uh, you know, go without signing at least one attacking player. I, I think that, I mean, this is shaping up to be uh, a very cataclysmic time. I think that the last time, you know, you remember the last time that there was this much uh, tension and chaos in Barcelona? It was right after the Real Sociedad game in January of 2015. David, you remember this? Um Barcelona lose, Messi, what, Alves, and Neymar all benched, and, yeah, um, I mean, it, it It just goes down after that, right? Zubri Zareta leaves, uh, new elections are called in the summer, um, everything's going down. That was the moment where Barcelona's season changed. That was when they're rapidly declining uh, team change to become eventual treble winners. So I think that there is, I mean, just from that turmoil, there you have to acknowledge that there is some light at the end of the tunnel. And I don't know if that light is signing a big player or kicking Bartomeu out, but I mean, there is hope uh, for this team. But uh, let, let's let's switch topics. So, um, of course, one against Real Batiste this past weekend. But it does not appear that they are going to win in their pursuit of Kylian Mbappe. Um, David, you see Mbappe leaving for Paris Saint-Germain in the coming weeks? Yeah, it seems something's going going on there with him being frozen out. Um, I think it's pretty sad that he's going to end up at PSG, to be honest with you. Um, I think he could have done with one more. Um, because, I don't know, I, I, I mean, people will be different, you know, and, and they of another super team, but I like the idea of him potentially going somewhere else, or at least staying at Mon- I wanted him to stay at Monaco and mm-hmm. potentially view his future after, because, I mean, I don't like the idea of PSG building this super team. I'd rather the best players be spread around different <laughs> clubs. Um, but You'd that's rather it. than yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's my bias then. Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. I want Mbappe to wait one year and then join Real Madrid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, I I didn't like the idea of this super team, but I think that we cannot. PSG are are building to become to become to challenge Real Madrid for. The, for the title of the best team in the world. Look, they've signed. They've signed. They had the signing of the summer already. Neymar. 
Um, could have the the other signing of the summer, Kylian Mbappe. So to have that uh, potentially getting Alexis on a free next summer, um, definitely a possibility for goalkeeper. They they do have a large hole at goalkeeper. I do not trust Arlo uh, or um, or Trap. David, did you, did you see anything of Alfonso Areloa at Villarreal that made you think this kid can be a world class goalkeeper? I think he can be a very, very good goalkeeper, but I think the world class tier is potentially behind him. And I mean, I know it's you know it's a big claim to say that because he's still a young kid; he will learn a lot. Um, but I think guys like Noya, De Gea, uh, yeah. far far ahead of him, and will, I think potentially all will be. Ariola is going to be a good goalkeeper at a certain level, but I don't think he's going to hit the absolute top level. Um, I think PSG would be sensible, for instance, to. Pay some money if they really want a top goalkeeper. Then I think Jan Black from Atletico Madrid is probably the one they should go for. Okay, so then look, there's a potential of uh, Jan Black goalkeeper in the world for you. I think he's the best goalkeeper in the world right now. Mm, hard to disagree with that, honestly. I mean, I, I think that if, if the world watched more Atleti, I think that more people would agree. I mean, because he is just so vital. Um, I, I mean, I think that uh, it's tough. I would probably say Neuer myself, but uh, Oblak is second best for me. Um, but he definitely can be the best soon. So so say they get Oblak, so probably the best goalkeeper in the world for the next few years. Then they've got Neymar, widely agreed upon as the next best as the next blown door winner and then Kylian Mbappe on top of that the next next blown door winner as well as uh, Fabinho the engine the what probably the most important player to this Monaco side um, as well as best rock, right back of all time Donny Alves uh, can we be seeing a, do you think we'll be seeing a uh, a Champions League for PSG in the next two years? Or do you think it's just going to be... I think yeah. if they maintain this pattern of signings, I think they've been shooting below the belt in terms of signings. They've been signing mediocre players up until mm. now. Uh, I think they need a better, mentali- uh, better mentality of players. I think Verratti was probably the best player at the club. Now they've added Neymar to that and Dani Alves, two key. You know, we've got Neymar, potential Ballon d'Or winner. And you've got Danny Alves, who's probably one of the greatest right-backs of all time, um, who has been there, won everything, experienced. So these are the right signings. You know, these are signings that the project should have made, I think, at PSG um, to complement when Zlatan was there. But the reason they didn't win anything is because they didn't add those signings. They just added mediocre players around him. Yeah. And also to add to that, um, they are not just signing these superstars. They are also tapping up, uh, I believe, Wendell, a Fluminense, great midfielder, great Great potential. And yeah, they got Lo Celso as well. So it's a case yeah. of tapping into the South American market. They know that's an area exactly. they need to go. And they can probably save themselves. Uh, I mean, not that they need to, but they can probably save themselves 50, 60 million in the next few years. Yeah, they got, well, Gonzalo Guetsch, good, uh, good striker from Benfica. Um, young, very young. Giovanni Lo Celso, absolute baller out of Rosario. And uh, tapping up Juan Foyth, I believe. I think they'll lose him to uh, Tottenham. But 
it, it shows you that they are not only concerned with being a Galactico Cup, but it's 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 also good. Um, Face Chelsea. Four. So level to the. David. Do you think that Hello. Hey, Sandro. Sorry. Were you guys I like I think I lost connection for a second. Yeah, 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 yeah you did. Um oh, my fault. Alright, it's all good. So what are your expectations for um the league? Where where do you think they'll go in the Champions League? Uh sorry, we're talking about PSG. I yeah. lost you for a sec again. Um this is quite interesting because PSG have done a pretty good job of building up their squad this summer. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they gel and mesh together. Uh, Emery has a pretty big job on his hands. Talent-wise, I definitely think they could make the semifinal. Um, the product they put on the field, however, uh, might be a different story. So we'll have to wait and see how uh, they execute on the pitch. Yeah, good point. Um, so I want to get into La Liga for a little bit. Uh, David, what are we yeah. saying for the uh, surprise team this year? Last year was obviously Alaves. Um, your surprise team this summer, this coming season? Um, probably Betis. I think they're going to make a lot of progress um, if they are given time to gel. Because they've got a lot of new players. They've got an excellent coach and kick us at the end. Um, you know, if they're given time and patience by the club, which I think they should be, then Betis will be the the, the surprise package this year. Yeah, I mean, they've got an excellent coach in Kik Setien. I think that people, you know, they forget how good, um, how good that Las Palmas team was at the start. Um, got a few. Budaboos is, you know, was one of the, most magical players in Ligue 1 over the past few years. Um, it's absolutely insane how they got him. As well as Camarasa. Um, incredible player. Got some players who are tried and tested, like Sanabria Antello and Javi Garcia, that I'm like a bit iffy on. But uh, yeah, this, this team um, 
what where what do you what do you see uh with them? Copa del Rey run, uh top half finish. What are we saying? Um, I think they're going to challenge for Europa League, which is major progress for a, for a team who has been yo-yoing between divisions the last few years. Yeah. Challenging for relegate, fighting relegation last year. Um, should be a lot better. I mean, you would think that uh, lose their best player in Ceballos, that uh, things would go downhill, but they've actually responded magnificently. Um, yeah, it would have been nice if Ceballos stayed, but you know you can't have these things at that level uh, in La Liga. You have to lose somebody usually to to build, and they've built well, I think. So best best summer in Spain, Real Betis. Yeah, Real I'd Betis. Say so. Yeah, I'd say so. Best signing uh, for Betis out of everybody, um, I would probably say. I think Boo de Boos is a, you know, a major one. You know, you've got to look at his stats the last few years. The number Very of... good Ceballos replacement. Yeah, yeah, he really is. You've got to look at the number of chances he creates, how his end product around the final third is immense. And a player, for Betis to get him in, a player who has been leading you know, in, in yeah. Europe in, in certain columns is, is pretty impressive. All right. Um, best signing period in La Liga? <sighs> um, well... I'm going to say Sevilla getting in Ever Benega because I think Ever Benega is an incredible player. So I think getting him back was, was extremely vital. It was. Sandra, any thoughts? Uh, the signing in La Liga? Benega is a very good shout. Uh, I am sh- really shocked that Inter let him go after just one season. I That's think I thought he was probably their most consistent midfielder last season. Um, another return from La Liga, I think. Baca, Carlos Baca might mm-hmm. actually uh, perform pretty well at Villarreal. Uh, La, La Liga just suits his his style of play much better. Um, and at a team like Villarreal, uh, I think players can uh, provide some good service. Even some the two Italians, uh, Soriano and Sansone, are both pretty good going forward. Yeah, I didn't notice that. They've got an Italian coefficient going on there. Soriano um, and uh, and Sansone. Yeah, this 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 team is is actually shaping up to be quite good. Um, even though their defense, I think Villarreal's defense without Mosaccio still has some questions to be asked. Uh, Ruben Semedo still don't think he's uh, good enough for La Liga yet. Um, but that midfield, that midfield of, well, rotating between Fornals, Castillejo, uh, Bruno, Rodri, Trigueros, definitely one of the best um, in in Spain, I would say. Um, and that that attack, that attacking depth with with Unal and Baca in, I I think that I I, I think that they will. Go, get back into the Champions League. That's that's my that's my bold prediction for La Liga. Um, they're going to supplant Sevilla, who hasn't had a good enough summer for me. Um, and they're gonna get the they're gonna finish fourth. David, bold La Liga prediction. Um, I'm trying to think uh, <laughs> to make to make to make a to make a bold uh, prediction. Um. Yeah, I guess I guess Betis getting into Europe is probably a bold prediction given on what's happened there. So. 
There yeah. it is. Sandro, bold La Liga prediction. Oof. Uh, I'll say Ibar challenging for a Europa League spot. Um, not that I even know too much about Ibar. Just uh, I uh, did a nice uh, football manager game with them. <laughs> so I have a soft spot for them. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, let's transfer to Calcio now. Um, so, biggest summer out of any team. I think that the, the most hilarious summer out of any team was Barcelona, but the, uh, the, the most extraordinary summer in terms of signings and sales was for me AC Milan. Um, but just want to hear what you guys think. Uh, so August 23rd right now, eight days left. Who, who in all of Europe um, has had the best, the best transfer market? Who would you say, David? Um, you know what? I like what they do every summer, but I just think Juve, they, they work the Ooh. transfer market so well. So I'm always going to say Juve. Mm-hmm. I think they're one of the best business models in, in, in the world. I think they might be the best, actually. Um, yeah, yeah, they could be. They, they, they work the free market really well. They, they can get players in on bargains. And also, I think when they want to spend a big fee, they do so extremely wisely. Sandro, transfers Calcio. Are <laughs> Juventus the best club in the world when it comes to transfers? Um, I think the way the board runs both the Mercato and the Primavera setup, I definitely would say that they're really up there. Um, it's honestly quite outstanding what they've done since returning from uh, Serie B about a decade ago now. Um, yeah. It's truly remarkable. Uh, not only have they signed great players at good prices, um, they've also looked for- forward to the future signing great youngsters uh it's it's quite something um but also i mean what milan has milan has done this summer is i mean can't be unnoticed uh it's quite incredible actually not only have they made great signings they've weakened many of their rivals uh within serie a juve with bonucci fiorentina with kalinic um it's Mm -hmm. It's really something, and it's actually great to see uh, Milan's finally back. It uh, should be very exciting for the league. Now, Sandro, who do you support in Italy? Uh, officially Juve, but uh, the last couple <laughs> of years I've, I've tried to be neutral, and I, I root for everyone in the league to do well. That's good. Um, yeah, no, I think that, I, I mean, I have said, I, I said for a while that Juve are the best-run club in the world. But what gets me is um, I, I do think they are a bit too reluctant. I mean, a bit too uh, easy when it comes to letting go of yes. their best players. That's, for me, uh, the kicker there. I mean, Bonucci, uh, for me, bargain of the summer, uh, left for what? Like, if we're if we're taking into account the Dishkeglio fee, what what how much did he leave for? Around like twenty million or something. Uh, I think it was forty for Benucci and twelve plus three million in bonuses for Dishkeglio. So, yeah, twenty twenty five around there, which pretty Easy. is 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 pretty wild. Insane. Um, 
massive bargain. Um, I think that, for me, that's the bargain of the summer right there. And kind of just another one of Juve being too uh, lenient. I mean, kind of did the same, at least for me, they did the same thing for Vital, which he, he had his issues. But picture a Juve, uh, Juve team with Vidal. I mean, if, if I could make one signing for Juve, it would be Arturo Vidal. I think that because I think that the, their midfield is the weakest. Um, that that is their biggest area of concern right there. They need a midfielder. Um, but you know, give them credit; they will never overspend. Um, I mean, of course, you could say that uh, Iguain was overspending, but to see the other rates, um, to see the other rates that these midfielders are attracting. I mean, I think that, what do you think of the Matuidi signing? Uh, Went for what? Like 15 million, 20 million? Basically 20 million. million. Good enough to improve. Uh, I mean, I think he's a decent signing and I think he can help the midfield, but I don't think he's really enough to fill the gaping hole that was so evident in the second half of the Champions League final against Real Madrid. Uh, I really do think that Juve still have a hole there that uh, needs to be filled. I mean, even even if they played Marquisio at that holding uh, that holding spot, I think he could put in a good shift. Uh, he seems to have fully recovered from his injury, and I, I think he's in for um, a great season, actually. So, David, what do you expect from Juventus this season? I think much the same. I think, you know, a lot has been made of the way, you know, that they've lost Bonucci. But, like, again, I just think they've added in the right areas, you know. They've looked at where they've perhaps been weak. And I think it, particularly when it comes to energy, um, they needed that. And I think Matuidi and Douglas Costa, they really addressed that issue, um, emphatically so. And, you know, th- those players will... will tirelessly all game and Juventus needed that because I think sometimes they can they can drop off their levels in terms of tempo in terms of you know intensity and these players have dressed that issue perfectly no 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 that that is a good point I mean you know the the biggest issue for me of Juventus last season you know one game away from a treble um was their lack of attacking depth uh had really one one Okay, one winger. Well, two wingers, technically, but Piazza barely played. Um, went out and bought two wingers. Looking at another with Balde Keita on the horizon as well. Um, you know, for me, that is that is good business. Um, and I think that... I mean, I, I think that the issue... They, they have so many long-term replacements handed out. They, they kind of... I feel like they lose some of that urgency. You know what I mean? Like, that urgency to say, you know what? Buffon has uh, one season left. We need to just, you know, do as much as we can for him. Um, but maybe that's just me. Sandro, are you satisfied with Juventus' transfer window? Tough to say, but, I mean, I, you, it's really hard to complain. Uh I think the addition of Douglas Costa and Bernardeschi on the wings is really fantastic. Uh, as mentioned, what's really been hurting them is the attacking depth. 
Um, mm-hmm. And not only that depth, but that extra spark, that extra level, that extra gear, um, especially when you get to the latter stages of a match. Um, Douglas Costa can put it into the next gear um, with a fantastic left foot. Uh, and I think that Juve and their management sort of realized this summer that they were not going to really win a Champions League final with that back three, um, that back three, relying on that back three core. Um, and instead they'd need to go out and sign some attacking talent that could bring them to the next level. Because uh, in the two Champions League finals uh, that they've been in, they've just been outpowered in, in attack, basically. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, the main issue was for me, uh, Juve, Real Madrid, came down to it. Uh, Juventus had to bring on Mario Lemina, now at Southampton, for Paolo Dybala in the Champions League final. Um, Real Madrid, James Rodriguez wasn't even on the bench. That really... uh, for me, explains the depth issue. Which, you know, to be fair, Real Madrid's B team is better than most teams' A team. Um, so, but but still, I mean, to I think to add that extra attacking depth, um, it's 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 a it's a good move for Juve. Still lacking in midfield for me, though. Um, but we'll just have to see how it plays out. Uh, so. Sandro, who who do you think will win the Champions League this year? Um, that's interesting. I mean, Real Madrid <laughs> looks great uh, again. Yeah. Oh, this is hard to make a call. Um, <laughs> Putting you on the spot here. I mean, if if I'll go for uh, an upset sleeper, I'll, I'll take Napoli. I mean, it'll mm. be tough. They're they're. I mean, I'm still distraught that Albiol starts for them in a way, but yeah, they they really play fantastic football, and I just love watching them so much. Um, so I'll I'll put them as a, a upset um, pick. Interesting, David. Uh, Real Madrid, I think. Yeah. I think football is there for Real Madrid to dominate at the moment. I think everybody else is playing catch up to them, quite frankly. Um, and I really do think they're at the the top. In, in Spain and on the continent as well. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely have the best team of all time for me. Um, you know, I think that the, just to go two 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 back to back, just to win back to back Champions Leagues um, in this environment. There's no doubt about it for me that uh, they have the best squad of all time. Um, still, yeah, at this moment, I would probably say Real Madrid, but I would definitely not uh, count out Paris Saint-Germain either. Um, let's let's talk. Let's go back to Calcio though. Juventus had a good summer with you know getting in new attacking talents. Um, Milan signed basically an entire new team, 11 new players. Could be some more to follow. Uh, Inter, you know, Inter, 
I talk with a lot of Inter fans, and they're not as pessimistic as I would have expected um, this summer. I, and I do think there is some hope for them this summer with, you know, brought in Milan Skriniar, um, Dalbert, David. Uh, Inter basically swapped João Cancelo for Geoffrey Condogbia. Good move? Um, I think I think I think yeah yeah I think it suits everybody. I think Cancelo is in a bit of a you know a state of flux at Valencia, and the same goes for Condogbia at Inter as well. So it worked out. Yeah, uh, Sandro, good move. Oh, I think it's fantastic by Inter. Uh, their fullback position has really been pretty weak the last three four years or so. Um, it's definitely a big improvement. Also, signing Dalbert on the left. Uh, yeah. I actually think Inter's had um, an under-the-radar, very, very good uh, transfer market uh, yeah. this summer. Subtly, subtly good. Because, I mean, Milan has gotten all of the um, attention as per, uh, as expected. Juventus done a lot. I think Inter have actually had, um, they've had a good transfer window. I mean, Look! Look at there are a ton of other clubs who have had worse transfer windows. I mean, Arsenal, Barcelona, um, Dortmund. I mean, Inter have have brought in a few new starters, some you know young, uh, t- young depth. Um, been a good summer for, for me at least. Um, for me, the most underrated transfer window in Europe. This, this summer, um, but who who else are we sleeping on for for transfer windows? David, who who do you, who would you say has had the most underrated transfer window in Europe this this summer? It's it's really difficult to say because I think a lot of clubs have had very very good um, transfer windows, and then others haven't had such good ones. Um, I always like what Napoli do. I think Napoli have done well again. Uh, if we're talking about Calcio, then I think Napoli, you know, they've added in the right areas. They've kept their stars as well. I mean, to date they have, so hopefully nobody leaves. Um, and, and yeah, I think they're primed for, for like another really strong push at the league. Sandro. Um, now, it's true. Napoli have only signed one player, right? Adam Unas. Very interesting. Is that right? Very uh, interesting attack. Attacking midfielder from from uh, Bordeaux, I believe. Um, yeah, I just think that this squad is is so incredible that just to look at six midfielders, um, all young except for Hamšík, Marco Rogue, Amadou Diawara, Jorginho, Alan. I mean that that midfield is probably top three in the world for me. Mm-hmm. Along with PSG, yeah. You also you also forgot Zelinski, who's also oh, a great talent. Yeah, it's incredible. Just, their mid, their midfield is really something. Definitely, I think Michael. I think Michael, Michael Rog has got a lot to do this season. I think he's. I think he's going to emerge as a very very good player. Yeah, I mean the thing about the thing about Napoli is, um, even if you don't start, you still got a lot of game time, and you still show everyone how how good you are that's that's the thing with sorry's rotations because there is no real confirmed starter between Diawara 
or um, or Jorginho. Amshik is the only real starter, but I mean Zielinski, Alan. Th- this midfield, this team, um, I would say plays the best football in Europe. Do you uh, would you agree? I would agree. Yeah, I mean, I think that it, it's interesting. I mean, I see a lot of people saying that Napoli will win uh, the Champions League or will get to the semis at least. Um, not so sure about that, but there is no doubt in my mind that they play the best football in Europe. Um, so, David, you said Napoli. I say Inter. Sandro, most underrated transfer window in Europe this season? Oof, in all of Europe. Um, yeah. I think Inter has a pretty good shout at that, actually. Yeah. Uh, they've done very well. Uh, I know it's it's hard to say because they've lost a couple great players, but Fiorentina has had a, also had a sneaky transfer window after losing mm. Messino and Borja mm. Valerjo to, Valerjo to uh, Inter. I mean, they got Giovanni Simeone, Diego's uh, son, yep. to replace Kalinich. Uh, Marco Benassi from Torino, who's a very, very solid midfielder. Um, yeah. Bruno Gaspar, um, Esther Cic. Um, so even though they've lost a lot, I think Pioli has some some players to work with there. Um, so I think those two teams probably had under-the-radar um, transfer windows, at least in Italy. Definitely, definitely. Um now I want to finish with England. So, you know, Tottenham have waited a while, but they're finally making some signings in the last few weeks of the window. Um, Davinson Sanchez signed from Ajax for $40 million, I think. Um, and a few should follow. Well, Paul Gazaniga picked up from Southampton as a third or second goalkeeper. Um, and I think that a what will follow is a um, I think they will sign a midfielder. Uh, another center back, Juan Foyth. Possibly an attacker and a right back, which I think will be Serge Aurier. Um... Are we sleeping on Tottenham's window? I mean, you know, we were saying for, you know, the past few months, what the hell are Tottenham doing? They're just a few players away from winning the Premier League. Um, but they're putting in the final touches in the last few days. Possible title challenger? What do you think? David? Um, no, I still think I need to see more from them in the transfer market before. You know, I'm not joining this crowd of people who are saying you must sign players. But I just do think Spurs need the right players in the right positions um, to elevate them so they can keep going across the whole season, that depth. Um, but it's hard to add because they've got a very good starting eleven, And finding the right players to come in and, and, and take over from Deli Ali and Harry Kane is very, very difficult. Um, but they, they have to, otherwise they will not win anything. Um, I don't know about Sanchez, Davinson Sanchez. He's not a player I'm particularly keen on. Um, but I think they yeah, need to add. Very I think, poor, uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, if I was to get somebody from Ajax, right? If I was to get somebody from Ajax right now, it'd probably be uh, Delict. Delict, incredible player. Yeah, I think he, I think he's outstanding. Probably potential to be the next, uh, you know, like great player to come from Ajax. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I truly believe that. I mean, the kid's what seventeen and gave like probably a man of the match performance in the Europa League final. Definitely. Probably already better than Davinson for me, even though Davinson was player of the season. But um, just phenomenal, phenomenal center back. Um, I think that I still think that Davinson is one of one of the best. Will be one of the best uh, defenders in England, and it's a good move from Tottenham. But for me, they still lack that mm, added. Uh, added little kind of jolt in in attack. They kind of lack that special that special wide attacker that they thought they, they need were an unpredictable get. player. I think. What? They yeah, need they need who exactly. Yeah, they need somebody who can come on in the last twenty fifteen minutes and and pull defenders out of position um, and just cause chaos really for a uh, for another team. Uh, and they just don't have that right now. And you know, I'd love to see them bring in somebody like, you know, Lanzini from West Ham would be that sort of player who I would really like them to see them bring in. Very good signing. Yeah, would potentially be a quality signing uh, to, and especially uh, Poch being Argentine, being very good with bringing in young players would be a great fit for him as well. Um, you know, City basically did... Well, career mode on steroids this summer. Benjamin Mendy, most expensive defender of all time. Kyle Walker, Danilo, Aderson, most expensive goalkeeper of all time. Bernardo Silva. Um, I think that's it. But well, a few more uh, signings that they loaned out. But still, last last weekend. Um, they drop points to Everton, which, you know, admittedly has had one of the better uh, windows in Europe uh, with Sigurdsson and uh, Sandra Ramirez. Still, um, for me, if you're, going to, if you're going to get all those players, you know, you should be able to beat that Everton team. Um, what's, so what's the issue with, with Man City? Because I feel like the past two years... Um, past two seasons, uh, we've seen City go on a tear in the first month of the season. Uh, you know, get top the table and then just totally uh, take their feet off the pedal. W- what's the issue now for Guardiola City? What do you think, Sandro? I mean, well, with with all the new signings, I mean, again, it's going to take a little bit of time to to gel and get Pep's tactics on point with everyone. But, I mean, I really think this is not so much a telling point for Guardiola, but, I mean, he's really got to prove his worth this season for for me in a bit. Uh, I mean, he's got basically the rush that he wants now. Um, So I think it's it's time for him to, to work his magic and... Uh, it's going to take some time to see, but I think that they have the potential to uh, to do quite well this season. Definitely should be in the title race and maybe have a good run in the Champions League, but 
we'll see how that works out. David, is is Guardiola being too set in his ways, just trying to change football? I mean, you got Leroy Sané playing wing back, um, and I mean, it, I, I, do you think that is that is just too much? I, I mean, I just think that you should have a bit more. I don't want to say respect, uh, but just be a little less experimental with, you know, Everton going to be a. They're going to be uh, challenging for Europe this this summer with their with their this season with their signings. I mean, what what is what is Guardiola's issue right now? Is it just gelling players? Yeah, I think he's had to start from scratch, and he's not really used yeah. to this in his career. At Barcelona, he had an academy to call upon, mm-hmm. um, a system ingrained as we all know the Barcelona Messiah. And at Bayern, he he had a, a again the foundations put down. Uh, you know, already there for him. And he just needed some little tweaks. With Manchester City, he's had to and start again, you know, mm-hmm. uh, behind the scenes as well, who, Ferran Soriano and co, who were trying to bring him in players. And yeah, it's, it's a starting from scratch and it's going to take... Football is a very demanding business now. People want success instantly. They want a Premier They want a Champions League final. They want big players to come in um, and join. Uh, and it's hard to get all that, isn't it? And I don't care how good Pep is. I don't care how much money they spend. I don't care who they bring in. Things do take time to gel. All right. Uh, David, give me your top four, predicted top four for England this summer, this season. Um, right, okay. Um, I'm going to say Manchester United to win the league. Interesting. Manchester City to finish second. Uh, Chelsea to finish third and Spurs to finish fourth Arsenal fifth and Everton sixth okay you not Liverpool totally out of the prod totally out of the picture don't see anything from Liverpool to suggest that they will push on they've not signed well enough I don't think the players that they have already there are good enough um, I'd maybe change it if they had a fit third was going to be fit across the course of the season yeah. predict that at all so, yeah, and, and Champions League football may take a toll on them. I mean, it will. Yeah, um, their, their squad just isn't good enough. Their starting eleven isn't good enough. Their squad isn't good enough. And uh, I think Klopp's got some major problems there. I think Liverpool's going to struggle soon. Yeah, no, I, I do think that there is a bit of um, Barcelona in current day Barcelona in the way they, they stress so much on... On you know Klopp style and on the attacking for which don't get me wrong is an incredible attacking four now with uh, Coutinho. You're saying that Coutinho stays, right? Yeah, I think he's going to stay, but I think regardless, he hasn't got enough around them to to catapult Liverpool up to that next level. Um, I think what they've done is about where they are, but they've just not made any progress over the summer. The owners aren't investing in the team, quite simply. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not looking to push Liverpool on, and I can see it being very very frustrating for them. I'm seeing them saying, you know, if Coutinho goes, they get a lot of money. They will go for Seri. But for me, you should be getting Seri in, and you should be getting, you know, and you should be keeping Coutinho. You should show some ambition. But there's no ambition there at Liverpool right now. You cannot, you know, Liverpool do this every single summer. They they sign one big player, and then they just call it quits. You cannot do that if you want to challenge for the title. You cannot only sign one player. One one marquee starter, and then just call it quits. I mean, 
they've okay. You know, it, it was shaping up to be. Um, it looked like it was going to be, you know, a great summer for them. Uh, in terms of their ambitions, in terms of who they looked at likely to be signing, just the execution uh, for me was what what was what went wrong. Uh, you know, pursued Nabi Kaita, ended up Leipzig put them in their place. Uh, Southampton, we all know how hilarious that was with them having to apologize for dabbing up Virgil van Dijk, uh, even though he put in a transfer request. Um, and, I mean, so they failed to capitalize on that. You know, Salah, good signing, but for me, you should be looking at getting a, a midfielder, a... Um, you need a midfielder. You need at least two defenders. Uh, you need more than just Salah. Um, but also, now that I mention it, with that attacking talent, Dominic Solanke will be a very, very good signing for them. In the yeah, future. could be Progress. another. You could be another one of those like storage signings, you know? Yeah. Um, Sandro. Your top six for this summer, for the season in England? Um, I'm going to go with City to win it, Chelsea, United, Spurs, Arsenal, and then Liverpool. <sighs> Tough for me. I Interesting what you said, David, though. So do you see United making another signing in the next few days? Um, I'd be very surprised if they did. I think they just they are working now on business for next summer. I think they are preparing um, to. I think what they've got right now is good enough because I don't think anyone is too intimidating in the Premier League. I don't think Man United can look yeah. around now and say, "Oh, they are so so far ahead of us," because Chelsea don't look stronger. Manchester City is stronger, but I don't think immensely so. And they, like I said, like we've discussed their te- their, their teething problems. They're still going to have them, and they're going to have to gel. Um, so I think Manchester United are in a good position right now, um, and then next summer they will—they're probably working on that already. You know, I think Mourinho has kind of hinted at the fact that they're already working on deals for next summer, and that wouldn't surprise like, me at all. Who? Antoine Griezmann? Oh, Griezmann's number one target, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, um, like 100. They will—they will put all their resources behind signing Griezmann next season. For sure. Um, no, I mean I think that. That is a good point. I mean, United, for me, had an underwhelming uh, window. But uh, when you look at it, no team has had a better start to the window than Manchester United. Now, granted, they've played some awful teams. But you still can't deny that they are, you know, Europe. They did win uh, three trophies last summer, last season. And they, I think that they're finally starting to... Mourinho and the squad are finally starting to gel. Um, so that's a good point. My top six. Tough. Um, I was going to say City, having some reservations now. Um, but I will still say City, just because I think that Bernardo Silva, Benjamin Mendy, Aderson, uh, you know, all these players, you cannot, like, mess this up, especially if you're Pep. Um, so I'll say City. Second, I'm going to say United. It's going to be the good old days. City and United challenging neck and neck. Um, third, I'll say Tottenham. Actually, yeah, third, I'll say Tottenham. Fourth, Chelsea. 
Um, fifth, Arsenal, and sixth, Liverpool. Um, that that's mine. So I think that's it for the show. Thank you so much, Sandro Pugliese. Enjoy your. Uh, Thank you for having me. Enjoy your trips for Italy, David Carlidge, Always a pleasure. Yeah, great speaking to you again. And uh, if you haven't already, check out David's new podcast, uh, Talking La Liga. Great show. Um, thank you both. It's been a pleasure. We'll be back soon. Uh, I'm Zach Lowy. Till then, it's Breaking Lines.